0: Welcome back to the lifepurpose.com podcast,
1: the number one podcast in the entire cosmos for empowering and inspiring you to live your purpose.
0: My name is Hema Alma, and I'm Gabriel Sarah. And today's podcast is about developing a positive mental attitude to live your purpose. <laughs> Scarcity mindset is having a negative mental attitude. And abundance mindset is all about having a positive mental attitude. And from what you have shared about your bloodline and the relatives that you know, they all had a negative mental attitude. And that was perhaps the main contributing factor for them living in scarcity. It was interesting to observe your energy, you were taking some Pedro and your energy was like to the roof. It was so expansive and big and you had the energy with, with that kind of energy. It's like anything is possible, but then what happened the day after like pretty Shortly after, a day or two, the energy was gone and it shifted. Just what I observed. Hey, by the way, I know you're listening to this podcast because you know you have a big purpose. But you may need support fulfilling what you came here to do. That's why we invite you to join the LifePurpose.com support community. Just click on the link in the description or go to LifePurpose.com to check it out and now back to the episode
1: when you speak about positive mental attitude can you name a few things that you personally have done in the last 10 years to develop a mindset to develop a positive mental attitude pma that got you from working at a restaurant in london being very unhappy with your life to where you are today. What were some things that you did to work on your positive mental attitude and develop it to what it is today?
0: There was a time in my early twenties where I was just gathering a lot of data and information and I was reading so many books on personal development and Um, the power of positive thinking and creating your own life with your own rules and the law of attraction and how our thoughts create our reality. And I was just taking it all in. A big book that I always think back of is The Conversations with God. That book played, I would say, an important role in in my own development and how I see the world. So I'm saying that because developing and having a positive mental attitude starts with the things that you consume and also the knowledge that you consume and the information that you consume. So I consciously fed my mind with positive information and uplifting information, information for my freedom information for my, for my own ascension. And I would say that the books together with going to events and listening to motivational speakers from all over the world in person and also just online gave me the reassurance that there is a different life possible, a life of freedom, a life where I can live on my own terms and a life created by my own imagination and by my own guidelines. Not what the outer world tells me is possible for my life, but what I say is possible for my life. And I knew that it's in my hands and the information that I consciously fed myself with, books, going to events and just feeding my mind with so much positive reassuring data made me very certain and confident that I can create a life beyond any limitations and I can create a life that feels extraordinary to me.
1: It seems that books can be a very powerful gateway to building a positive mental attitude and I'm sure that you took some insights and tips from the books that you read.
0: Yes. Even though the books, they they played an important part along my journey, but only for a few years. Like at this stage of my life, I don't read books anymore. I don't listen to information outside of me. Why? Because at this stage of my life, I have remembered and found my own inner information, my inner wisdom. I accessed inner information that is housed within me, and it cannot be found outside of me. And the irony is that the books, the videos, the events that I attended when I was younger and the rememberings I got from it, the information, was leading me back within. So the information that I accessed in the outer world was a reminder that everything I need And my guidance and my own compass for my life is within me.
1: So you're saying that these books and these experiences that you've had going to events was really just about helping you awaken something within yourself that already existed, but you just were asleep to it.
0: Exactly. And I believe, you know, I strongly believe that's also a big purpose for what we're doing and for... All the posts and the the content that I have created so far for the site, I've always written out in the description underneath the content for the last words. It was always to your remembrance and to your victory. And Life Purpose is here to remind you of who you came here to be because your soul already knows. And that was the same thing with me. All the books that I was reading, the events that I attended to, the motivational speakers I was listening to, they were reminding my soul and activating my soul to what was already inside of me. And another big part of developing a positive mental attitude is I needed to be willing to let go. To let go of attachments, to let go of places, to let go of environments, to let go of what was familiar to me, and to let go of relationships and people that were not reflecting a positive mental attitude, you know? And there came a point where it was either either grow and evolve and go after the life of your dreams or stay... With what's familiar, I would say 95 of the relationships that I had and friendships that I had in my 20s, I let go of all of them.
1: 95
0: 95? 95%, yes. And with that, I created a lot of space for new people, new situations, new connections to enter my life, which were in alignment with the positive mental attitude. And I attracted more positive situations, experiences, and especially people into my life, which was all reflecting the new path that I have chosen for my life.
1: What age age was this where you read the books, went to the events, and then started to let go and create this space that you're talking about?
0: I would say it started, well, with the books, I started to read a lot of spiritual uh, books and personal development books already when I was 14 or 15. But the letting go of people and situation environments started mainly when I was 20 years. And I left Austria and I went to London. And that was like a big cutoff time mm. where I was saying goodbye to an old life. And I took a big leap of faith and followed my own very first step. And I went to London and I said, I'm going to explore new possibilities now. I may not know exactly where this is leading me, but it feels right. This is the first step for me. And I packed my stuff. I said goodbye. I don't know for how long I will be away, but I know this is what I need to do. And I know that this has all led me to where I am now. The fact that my my English language is more fluent than my native language, German, is mainly because I was spending a lot of time in London and speaking English.
1: You, I'm very familiar with your story. We've been together for a few years now, and you had mentioned that the first time that you went to London, you had to immediately return back from London because your biological mother had cancer, which would later be a very profound experience for her because then she had a a very spiritual experience where she had a spirit team. She went to the other side. She was in a coma, encountered her spirit team. Her spirit team gave her the option of, Hey, either you come back to earth and you heal and you get better and you live out your life purpose or you die and you come with us into the spirit world. What's it going to be? She chose to live. She chose to start living her purpose. But during that time, when she was in the hospital, you mentioned that she had to come back to Austria before you could go, before she would get better, and then you would go back to London for the next however many years, what was that experience like during that time? How did that did that affect, did you having to come back from London affect your positive mental attitude and what you've been working on? Were you starting to feel sorry for yourself, frustrated, stuck when you came back to Austria from London? And how did you deal with that mentally?
0: So my very first attempt going to London was not as expected at all even though i didn't have much expectations but after i arrived in london i was planning to stay there for at least a year and only a week later i received a phone call from my mom from my aunt saying that my mom is in hospital it's very critical and i immediately knew that there is no way for me to stay in london i have to go back especially because i had younger siblings and my dad was alone so I went back to Austria a week later. So one could say it was like a a failed first step towards the life of my dreams, towards going after what I knew was right for me and then having to return at very unexpected. One could say, oh, it wasn't meant for me or perhaps see it as a form of failure. But that was not the case at all. I knew that my time would come and... How did you know that? I just knew it in my gut and in my heart and I knew that. I knew that it's going to be up to me. Like if I say okay, first attempt didn't work out as I envisioned, I'm going to do it again.
1: So you can you say that you always had that type of mental attitude?
0: Yes. It's like a a tenacity where I knew okay, if I want to experience something, if I want to go down a road, yes, definitely I believe in a higher power and in a divine in a divine orchestration of everything that we do. and also in divine timing. sometimes it's not when when the human wants it to happen, but there is a divine timing, and that's what I came to realize with that incident. I knew that I would only stay in Austria for a couple of weeks or months and I knew that everything will just clear out and I will get the green light and divine timing to go back to London
1: and surely it happened. You said that you had to come back. Most people in that situation could have been panicking, could have been feeling like their life was about to end. Especially at 20 years old, it, it, we're, you know, at 20 years old, we're probably very self-centered. It's all about still me, but, you know, you some people may perceive themselves as like the center of the universe, and that can be a big hit to their ego, but you came back knowing that you had younger siblings, you had a younger brother, you had a younger sister because you're the oldest out of three, right? And... You said that your father, you know, you couldn't, you know, you knew that basically your family needed you to be there. You just knew I knew
0: I needed to be with them.
1: You knew you needed to be with them. And also with my mom. And so you left London, you packed your bags, you came back to Austria. And, but you knew at the same time, you said that you just happened to know that it would be a temporary experience where you would be back in Austria before you would make your way once again.
0: Yeah. And it was also perfect that I did return to Austria because the circumstances in London, where I was living and other factors were not... um, I wasn't happy with them. So... Just give you a quick insight. I, I went to London the first time to work as an au pair. Do you know what an au pair is? It's like a nanny. Kid. Right, exactly. And I was living with a family, and it was I was not happy with it at all. I was living together with the children in one room, and I could not see myself doing that for another week so i already knew for the first days when i was there no this is not my place and i went back to london i mean i went back to austria and then i knew okay the next time i am going to london i have to adjust my plans i will not go as an opera anymore but something, a new door will open up for me.
1: You just intuitively knew this.
0: I intuitively knew this. Yes, it felt like it's destiny for me, and faith to go to London. I just, it was an inner conviction.
1: Okay, so let's leave off with that. Let's let's pick up with the inner conviction. You had this inner conviction. You had this already. This this mental attitude that regardless of what the circumstances were, regardless of if you had to be in Austria a few weeks or a few months, you somehow would make your way back to London, back on the path of your journey. The reason why I'm asking these questions is because of the way that you opened up the podcast originally. You said that you saw me take San Pedro and that my energy was very expansive and that the next days my energy seemed to have contracted and I got maybe quiet or Whatever your perception was, I am still trying to find peace with the whole trading service situation. I can't ignore that this trader is almost blowing out our account and we could have used the money to pay for other things. And again, there's there's a there's a fine for me, my opinion, there's a fine line between positive mental attitude and being stupid or being naive and being foolish and and mismanaging what we have. And I'm I'm really doing the best that I can to be at peace with what happened. You know, for me, I'm very much aware that I have a tendency to complain about things, and that's not going to solve the problem. So I've been working on just being in silence and just practicing the philosophy of if I have nothing nice to say, then don't say anything. And as of right now, I don't really have much to say. And I'm finding an acceptance. I'm having to accept a reality where I'm very upset about the situation. I'm very angry about it. I'm very frustrated about the situation. But much like you, this isn't the end. Much like you, this isn't catastrophe however moving forward I know after a few of these instances my financial future my say my responsibility my hands I have to stick to what I know and what my gut told me and you know it doesn't really help to like you're right it doesn't help to complain about it. I can complain all day about it and express it and it just it's not going to help but what is going to help is to keep a positive mental attitude and find acceptance around the situation and focus the energy on something more constructive and so getting back to your story when you had this situation with having to come back to Austria you had the resources. You saved up to go to London. You you made all the arrangements. You were going to be working as an au pair. You got the call. You had to come back. You chose to come back. You said that you, you felt that your family needed you and your mom needed you the most. So you came back. You were at home now in Austria for how many months?
0: About seven months.
1: What was going through your head at that time when your life was basically on the shelf at a standstill? And maybe I'm a little bit bold in saying this, but maybe at this time you were stuck, were, were these thoughts ever going through your mind? Were you ever thinking, oh man, I'm stuck. What am I going to do? How am I going to get out of this? Like, why is this happening? Any of these things. Any of these thoughts, any, uh, anything like this come up into your mind? Yeah. And how did you, you how sh- did you transcend this? How did you deal with this?
0: For sure. Sh- like, I had so much inner excitement and joy going to London. I remember sitting uh, on the airplane with tears rolling down my face, with tears of happiness and joy that I'm on my way to living my dreams and what I chose to do. And I was crying on my on my way to London out of happiness. And then a week later, I came back on the plane crying again, but not out of happiness, but out of perhaps despair and sadness for the fact that my mom is in hospital and that something so unexpected happened. But either way, yes, I spent seven months at home, basically just replacing my mom. And doing a lot of house chores and cooking and also looking after my siblings and being perhaps an emotional support for my dad and you know arranging visits uh, for my mom in hospital it was like the opposite of what i had planned in terms of my inner state of being and my feelings i went to london and i chose to go to london because that for me was freedom that for me was a destination of freedom and designing the life the way i want to live it
1: let's let's pause on that and let's let's highlight that part designing the life that you intended but
0: then the opposite happened and that's the irony and that the
1: opposite happened yeah and
0: that is so many times in life where i have witnessed that with others and myself You want to go for something, you make the first step, and then boom, all of a sudden the opposite happens.
1: Why do you think that is?
0: I believe one could say it's God testing you, testing your faith, your tenacity, your will, and also your personal power, and it's also a growth spurt for yourself. Because when you can go through that, and still go after what you choose, there's a big treasure in for you. But it's like you want something and then the opposite of that happens. And then it's in these moments where you can either go down, you can go down two paths. And one path is giving in to the outer circumstances and playing victim and thinking that the outer world circumstances overpower you and then you give in and then you adapt to the outer circumstances and you end up where you did not want to end up or the second path is your faith just grows bigger your faith just grows stronger and yeah
1: as i hear you talking about your story i can't help but think about some content that I watched yesterday in my playlist on my watch later, a interview with Patrick Ben David, the uh, founder of Value and the Patrick Ben David podcast, and he was on Omar's YouTube channel, The Passionate Few, and this channel has interviews with Grant Cardone and other big names from very successful business people and so like the voice was just telling me to look at patrick bed david value attainment so i was kind of like searching around because i had to look at the channel and from the time that i first discovered patrick by david he was at like less than a subscribers to so now today he's at over 4.44 million subscribers on his youtube he started up another channel the pot the patrick by david podcast and on this one One of the videos that I watched, he had an interview with Andrew Tate and Andrew Tate. I have no idea who the guy is, but Andrew Tate apparently is like a big name in this space as well. And I think he's a serial entrepreneur. I'm not so sure. I would have to do more research on him. But there was a clip from the PBD podcast YouTube channel where Andrew Tate was talking about his experiences being in jail with his brother. Tristan Tate and it was interesting to see or to hear his experiences being in jail with his brother because it reminded me very much to us and whereas Andrew Tate was describing himself while he was in jail as this guy that was like I gotta figure out a way to get out of here I gotta figure out a way to get out of here and he was just he was doing what he should have just been just chilling out right his brother Tristan was very much like you where like, for example, like, they had, like, a, 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 a meeting with a judge on a Monday, right? And they had to wake the whole weekend. They they meet up with the judge on Monday to see if they're able to be free and get out of prison. The brother, for example, would go meet with the judge, come back to the cell, and be like, yeah, it's some bullshit. And just go to sleep and then just rest and relax. And he was just, like, very carefree. I'm bringing this up because, just like you had mentioned just a few minutes ago... It's in these moments of challenges where one could be like, they have two choices, either positive mental attitude or Debbie Downer. Or sink with it. Right, or sink. Sink in the mental misery. Right. right. Encapsulate yourself in your own mental prison. Take yourself to to your own mental jail. What's it going to be? You either grow through this experience or... You sink exactly, and Andrew Tate was saying something very interesting, which is which is a very good reminder to me. And and me also living as much of a stoic philosophy as possible. Andrew Tate, when he got out of jail, it seems like he's going through some PTSD issues, post traumatic stress from the whole experiences with jail. And he's been saying that he can't sleep. And he was telling Patrick Bateman, he was like, you know, all these uh you know my partners or whatever they're saying hey why don't you go see a therapist why don't you go see someone for help and he's he's so stubborn and he's so uh, um resistant to do that and his his reasoning is because no god has bestowed these challenges onto me this is my burden this is my cross to bear how dare you try to take this away from me i am going to fix myself I don't need a therapist. I am strong enough to do this on my own. And, you know, when we think about the situation with you and whatever setbacks we've been experiencing sometimes in the last few years. You know, obviously, I I personally believe at least that God or a higher power of some universal intelligence that has been orchestrating this whole thing known as my life that I'm just Witnessing as just an observer at this stage now obviously has an intelligence, obviously knows what is doing, and has given us these challenges not necessarily as a way of punishment, but as a means of becoming really good storytellers and providing words of encouragement and wisdom to our audience. At least this is what I have come to observe and what I have come to accept as a possibility. And the connection between the Andrew Tate video from Patrick, David's podcast and what you're saying is very resonant because it does take a certain degree of mental strength and resilience in order to see challenges in life not as the end of the road not as is the end of your life and there's there should be despair but as okay trusting and surrendering and having faith that something more than you is orchestrating this experience for you for you not against you because as you would later go on to experience in your life after your mom got better you were able to go back to london and not only were you able to go back to london but this is where you met your this is the time where you would meet your 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 partner correct at the time would you like to share a little bit more about this not really fair enough so It was at that time where your mom got better, you met this partner, and then you had an experience where you stood in London for a certain amount of time. But just look at how the journey led you to where you are now. Obviously, if you didn't have the experiences working in the restaurant, if you didn't have the contrast of being in a huge city like London, of having the, the the crap food, of having the experiences, you wouldn't have got the contrast. You wouldn't have got the data. You would not have gotten the information. You would not have said, okay, this is not what I want. What do I want? And in that case, that serves us. In that case, it was for your greatest and highest good, because you would later go on to become a meditation coach. You would then later go on to travel the world. You would later then go on to write books and you would then later go on to start this company as well as a cacao company and do all these things that you're doing now. So in that regard, then, that it serves you very well.
0: Hey, by the way, I know you're listening to this podcast because you know you have a big purpose, but you may need support fulfilling what you came here to do. That's why we invite you to join the LifePurpose.com support community. Just click on the link in the description or go to LifePurpose.com to check it out. And now back to the episode.
1: For the listener tuning in to today's podcast, what can they do to develop a positive mental attitude? What I know you talked about books. You talked about going to events, but that was the starting point for you. You said that you're not doing that anymore. What exactly are you doing to keep yourself in a state where you are positive, where you are staying focused, where you are staying disciplined and you're not letting and allowing any illusions in the outer world to deceive you and throw you off your game. What are you doing to stay as positive mentally as possible?
0: I'd say my self-talk is the biggest factor. How I speak to myself when no one else is listening, how I speak to myself in my own mind, in my own thoughts, how I feel about myself in my heart and how much I can hold myself with compassion and with love and with so much softness and gentleness no matter what I'm experiencing or going through, and to make sure that I am my own biggest supporter and that my self-talk and the way I think about myself is empowering myself and my life and my story and the path that I
1: chose. Is, Is there anything specific that you're saying to yourself these days?
0: Yeah, I have... I have daily habits and rituals. For example, every day in the morning, I would speak to myself for maybe one or two minutes in the mirror. But these things, they add up. And I would tell myself that I'm proud of myself and um, I am beautiful the way I am and I believe in myself and I wish myself the best day and the most fulfilled day. And it's these little things that add up you know, how I treat myself, how I treat my body, how I treat my mind, how I treat my spirit, making decisions that are aligned with my heart, that feel good in my soul versus going against that and complying to something or someone in the outer world when it does not feel right to me. So it's about honoring myself, honoring what I know to be true for me, honoring my truth, honoring my authenticity. These things add up so that I can be at peace at the end of the day with myself. Even if it goes against something or someone in the outer world, I can still look myself in the mirror and say, yes, I'm true to myself and I'm true to my values and what matters to me.
1: How long have you been doing this practice?
0: I think as long as I can think back, like I already started, I always was talking to myself since I can remember. Like when I was 10 or 11 or 12 years, I would always have some form of self-talk with myself, whether I went for a walk or in front of the mirror, it would always be some positive self-talk, you know? I believe it's important that you are somehow your own best friend.
1: And your coach.
0: And okay. you, yeah. And I believe it's easy to get disappointed with the world and with people when you when you believe that they owe you something, when you believe that it's their job to empower you, it's their job to speak words of encouragement to you, no, you have to do that yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. The world doesn't owe you anything.
0: Yes, but also I noticed that the way I treat myself and the way I speak to myself is being reflected by the outer world. So the better I treat myself, the more I respect myself, the more I believe in myself, the more people and situations in my life come to show me that as a mirror.
1: So it's like validation, what you've been doing internally.
0: Pretty much, or just like a mirror. The right. the life always mirrors... reflected it. Exactly. So when I started to believe in my visions and... What I had put on my vision board back then, I was still creating a vision board. Once I was a gathering confidence and certainty and faith of my desired visions and where I chose to go with my life, I attracted people who would believe in that too, you know. And instead of attracting naysayers, I was attracting a lot of supportive people who believed in my dreams, who who were willing to support me on all levels, unexpected levels. Like I'm talking about receiving emotional support, financial support, spiritual support. All of a sudden, there was so much support coming in for the direction that I chose to go in. I just want to say the main reason for me going to London was because I knew that staying in Austria... I would I would stay stuck and nothing would move for me and I knew that in order for me to be where I'm supposed to be next in my life, I needed to leave the country. And I'm saying that because some of you listening, you may go through a similar life experience right now where you feel like nothing is moving for you and you feel stuck. Sometimes life is asking of us to make very drastical and big changes, which may require you to even leave your country, you know, or to move somewhere completely new and start all over. I'm just saying. When you receive the calling to make drastical changes in your life, be brave enough and honor that because it will lead you, it can lead you to somewhere beyond your, beyond your wildest imagination for your greatest and highest good. And it will, it will most likely propel your growth and your evolution so much.
1: As a side question, are you doing what time of the day are you doing this? Are you doing this early in the morning as soon as you wake up? Are you doing this just before you go to bed? Are you doing this throughout the whole day?
0: I'm doing this throughout the whole day, but this is not something that I have to remind myself of. This is just my way of living and being.
1: Because you've practiced it for so long.
0: Yeah. So it's very natural to me.
1: It's natural to you, but it may not be natural to someone else that has never been taught or never heard about having a positive mental attitude up until now. And how do you talk to yourself and what are the words that you're speaking and to be mindful of what you're saying to yourself and to watch your language. Some of these concepts may be very new for someone in a certain part of the world. So that's why I asked that question. But the last question, the wrap up question that I have for you today is this. So you talked about, you have these practices for the positive mental attitude. You have these daily rituals. You do the positive self-talk as one of them. I know that you are, you're, you're, you're very much into like the spiritual aspect of living and you relate life in such a way. In terms of vibration and energy, so I'm gonna ask you something in in alignment with that so that you maybe can shed some light on this but in terms of let's say someone has begun this making this a habit let's say let's say they're not familiar okay I'm going to use myself as a perfect example because unlike you, I grew up in a part of the world where there was no there was never any mention of being proud of yourself, having positive mental attitude. It was always, you're a loser, you're not gonna amount to anything. What good are you? You're good for nothing. These were the words that I was hearing from the outer world through my relatives, my own grandmother at times, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So this was never an idea that, hey, when you talk to yourself, you have to speak highly of yourself. I think I told you a couple of weeks ago. There was a girl that I was interested in in high school, I had a phone call with her, and the only thing that I could tell her on the phone, for whatever reason, was, I'm a loser, I'm a loser, I'm a loser. What was going on in my head at the time, to be actually verbalizing that, I don't know. But, in for example, if there's someone like me that's listening to this, and they're hearing about positive mental attitude for the first time, and how to use their words constructively... They start this habit, okay? They start this habit of building this positive mental attitude. And they're talking to themselves. Things seem to be going okay for a couple of weeks. Maybe a couple of days, but let's just say optimistically a couple of weeks. And they're being mindful. But then, similar to how someone has a diet that they're not used to having a very strict and regimented diet, they begin to fall off. It becomes a pattern where they're sabotaging their results. Can you shed any wisdom on how someone can prevent themselves from spiraling downwards back to where they started from and to continuing on with the positive self-talk? You know, let's say that person is, is talking highly of themselves and they're starting to, you know, they're starting to now subconsciously say, hey, you know, you you did a good job with that. Like, be proud of yourself. But then, like a like a cheat meal, they entertain a negative thought, or they entertain something for whatever reason, get distracted, and then it's like they they fall into this like binge negative self talk that they started out with. How do they prevent that from happening, or how do they get themselves back on to the path of making that a ritual for their life and building that as part of their identity. Moving forward. Any insights?
0: I'd say as soon as you are aware that you are shifting into negative self-talk, shut your mouth or shut your thought.
1: (laughs) How does someone do that?
0: Just stop entertaining the thought, stop entertaining the words and shift your focus. It's that simple. Shift your focus and replace whatever that negative self-talk is with a positive self-talk. And that may take some form of effort and mental focus and will to focus your mind, to have your mind trained. It's like a dog, right? In the beginning, let's say you get a puppy and you're training that puppy with commands In the beginning, it's new to the puppy, and the puppy just wants to do whatever it wants to do. And it's all over the place, and it does not follow commands. It's the same with our human mind. It's the same with our words. But we need, it's our job, it really is our job to sharpen our mind, and to sharpen and to train our words. And we do that by constantly coming back to what we consciously choose it's easy for the mind to drift off it's easy for our words to drift off when we are not sharp when the blade is not sharpened but how do we sharpen it just like training a puppy we have to get the puppy back to focus on what we say
1: yeah that's actually really brilliant considering that we do have a puppy yes and we have been you have been able to observe basic commands like sit stay sometimes the puppy loses that attention and then moves when it's supposed to stay when she's supposed to stay and that is very similar to how the mind works when you want it to focus on something but then it involuntarily may focus on that self-sabotaging thought now i i I can't necessarily speak for you because I'm not in your head. I don't see what what happens in your head, but for me that's been that's been a great deal of work for me over the last few years is to work on not letting situations fester and phase me long enough. You know, it seems like in the last year I've had this situation or this experience with this trading coach that you know, it really has aggravated me. And it is I would say that it's borderline traumatized me because I put a lot of time, effort, money into learning from this person to now finding out that there is a strong possibility that they could have lied about what they had taught me as well as on top of that, this person should have been forgotten about a long time ago. I don't know what has compelled us to invest our financial resources to even consider hiring this person, but be that as it may, we're now in a situation where we're in a big financial deficit because we have done this and I have been really have been having to focus my mental attitude to seeing this as a blessing and not as a catastrophe and not as a threat to my or to our livelihood you know and for me growing up homeless at a time in New York City where look around and there was a whole bunch of scarcity look around and you know, There's people that are threatening to kill you and stab you. There's gangs, there's bloods, there's Crips, there's Latino gangs. And this is all around you. This is all you're exposed to every single day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You're living in paranoia. No one's telling you you could do anything with your life. No one is telling you anything positive. They're proud of you. They're this. No one is going to any significant events from your relatives. People are putting you down you know, you've got to take shit from people at, at, at your relatives. You got to take shit from people at school, being bullied. This was my reality, and so at this stage, yes, you're right. It is a conscious choice. It's like bench pressing. It's like squatting. It's, it's like a, reinforcement over and over. It's lifting weights, and it's this for me is a mental challenge to get over these situations, not let it fester up, and. It is very difficult when there is a perceived threat to my financial security, to our financial security, to our livelihood. This situation is definitely traumatizing for sure. And I want it to be over. And I don't know why on earth deciding to work with this person even came up as an idea, as a thought, but be that as it may, I'm doing my best to accept this and have a positive mental attitude about this and see this as a blessing not see this as you know a curse or as man this is it like what like i have to quit now what am i going to do get a job etc cetera, etc cetera. but this this is one of those situations where it it can be very difficult to mentally overcome and I can absolutely say that I'm, I'm very proud of you for how you handle situations because it seems like you don't let situations or perceived negative experiences get the better of you. It seems that you take more of a calm and relaxed approach, whereas I tend to overthink it and then it festers and then it gets me angry and then I have to find a way to fix this situation. And so, you know, this is something that I can learn from you. And I'm sure our audience today can also learn from you in that regard. I think that you, from everyone, anyone that I've ever met, you have that as a gift. That is truly a gift to have a positive mental attitude and then to also speak very highly of yourself and to stay very positive and to have full faith no matter what the situation is. I couldn't say the same for me, for sure. Uh, it takes... A sincere amount of mental effort to look at everything from the glass half full. Um, Again, granted, you know you grew up in Austria. You had both parents. You may have had some traumatic experiences, but you always had a roof over your head. You grew up in a house. You you grew up with those things, and sure, you know someone can say, "Wow, that's that." Of course, it's going to be easier for you. But you know, you've also had experiences where it wasn't so easy for you and you were resilient enough to keep a mental attitude and to keep a mental frame that allowed you to make it through to the other side without stressing yourself to the point of depletion or burnout or self-harm, for example. So, you know, I, I think that for anyone that is listening to this From what I have seen, you know, because we were traveling, we were traveling together and it was the same story. You had the the very positive mental attitude and you had these, you had a different, we traveled together, but you had a different, much different experience than I did. You know, whereas I was concerned about being racially profiled. You know, you were fine. Like we had the situation in Egypt going through security where there were men that were checking bags as we were leaving, as we were exiting the airport. You as not to be racial or whatever, but just observation, you was a white woman, they didn't check your bags. They didn't ask for your bags. They smiled at you. They let you through. But then me, I smile. And then they had a serious face and they said, stop. Let's check your bags. Same thing happened in Singapore, where we were leaving the airport, and you know you have to go to, through customs, and they, they check your, your passport. You as a white woman, the, the security or whoever, the customs officer, looks at your passport, immediately stamps your passport. When it comes to me, looks at my passport, flips through the books, shakes his head no and it seems like there's going to be a problem but then stamps me through right but then as we're leaving the airport once again there's you and then there's me and once again why didn't they check your bags why did they ask to check my bags you know and so and so it's these things it's these experiences where it's it's very difficult to see the world very neutrally it's very difficult to see perceive the world without a chip on your shoulder and it's very difficult at times to perceive the world as fair and so for anyone that has had those experiences and they're on a path in their life where you know they know that they do not want to live like everyone else, they don't want to live the status quo, but it's it's very difficult for them mentally. Is there any guidance? Is there any wisdom that you can share with those people that may not have the same color skin as you, that may not have the same gender as you, that may be going through extreme difficulty, whether it's financial or life circumstances, what could you say to them that could help them stay positive mentally and to keep that mental frame and to trust that what they perceive about themselves or what they say to themselves will eventually get reflected back in the outer world?
0: Ask for help. Ask for divine help and support. That's what I did as well. There were many, many moments in my life where I did not feel strong, where I felt mentally very challenged and weak as well. And it was in these moments where I always surrendered to a higher power. I always surrendered to God, to my higher self. And I was consciously saying, I'm surrendering. God, if this is your will for my life, then you figure this out and I'm gonna relax, I'm gonna lean back, and I'm gonna give it up.
1: So would you say that there's there's a portion where it's up to you and then there's a portion where you just surrender to a higher power?
0: At this stage, I am fully surrendering to the divine will. And there is no more, but Hema wants this, but Hema wants that. No, at this stage, I make sure that all my all my actions, all my words, all my thoughts, are as aligned to a higher divine will as possible.
1: To God's vision for your life, would you say? Yes,
0: and I have consciously... I think it was two or three years ago where I... You could say I had a little ceremony with myself and it was at the ceremony where I surrendered fully my ego will to my higher calling and to the divine will for my life and I was saying God you take over and it's this is what I genuinely from my heart can recommend to anyone who is facing challenges or suffering and you, we're suffering because that suffering is supposed to bring us back to the source within. That suffering is meant to bring us back to God. It was in these moments for so many people where they had experienced their worst hardship, and when they, it's like their breakdown was their breakthrough. And it was in in the moments of great suffering, misery, and pain where they had the chance to surrender to God and to remember God And so many people that I've heard of and that I also personally know, in their greatest misery, in their greatest challenges, then they went on their knees and they said, God, I invite you back into my life. And it's with that call that you invite God back into your life where a lot of people, myself included, we're able and are able to go through a lot of mental challenges and come out of the other side with a greater wisdom, greater knowledge, greater understanding, and um, being able to live the bright side of life. But I would not be, and I would not have gone through what I did, and I would not have been able to make the someone could say, the bold choices to travel all over the world and partially also completely by myself at a very young age as a quote-unquote female. I've heard so many times, oh, you're so brave, you're so brave, you're so brave. I always knew that I am protected and guided by a higher divine power with every choice that I make in my life, with every direction that I go in. And whether I quit that job or I start a new project, I'm always guided. I'm always, my hand is always being held by a higher divine power. And whether we lost money or we gained money or, uh, things worked out, things didn't work out, it's all just perception, ultimately. It's all just orchestrated by a higher divine power. And the more you can surrender to that, the more you can relax in that knowing that it's not you, the the person, the human doing this. No, there is a higher power working through you. And the sooner you can accept that, the easier your life will be. And the more you can embrace challenges because these challenges are meant for you they're meant for your evolution for your growth your ego may not comprehend it but it's true and yeah that's all i gotta say
1: so you so what you're really saying then is that it requires a shift in perception it requires a shift in one's thinking to develop this positive mental attitude would you agree
0: Yes, if you don't have a mon- um, a positive mental attitude, it requires a shift, of
1: course. And of course, anyone can start now, right now. There's no There's no amount of money that you have to pay. There's no coach you have to hire. It all comes from you right now, in this very moment, in the present moment.
0: Another thing that I want to add on is what you resist persists. So your challenges or your perceived hardships Allow yourself to embrace it and relax into your circumstances. And you will find that the more you embrace it and the more you welcome it, no matter what you're going through, Mm -hmm. instead of resisting it, you will find that when you embrace it and you welcome it, that you will go through it much smoother
1: from my state of consciousness my perception you know i i hear you for sure and there is part of me that would say yes like i would love to be that i would love to surrender to this experience completely but then there's also part of me that that lives in this anxiety state because I've been homeless. I've been bullied. I've been I've had these experiences, not to come from a victim mindset, but I've had these experiences where it seems like my life was threatened. And it feels like obviously it's gotten a lot better since growing up, but sometimes it feels like like a choking sensation, right? So it's like it's like very easy it may be very easy for you to say that because you knew that you were always protected you were always guided you were always safe you always had a roof over your head you had the you you talked about this before you had basic trust and it's the trust situation where you know as a baby you were you were held for the most part and you were loved by your parents and it was a pretty stable environment but if for someone like me maybe where I don't know what the truth is. I don't know what the story is, but if I had a paranoid, schizophrenic uncle throw me down the stairs and I'm in a baby carriage, how does that affect my basic trust? And how does that affect my way of perceiving the world and trusting in humans and trusting in, in God and trusting in life. And so there may be people that resonate with what you're saying, and then there may be people that resonate with what I'm saying, where like, Hey. It, it's, it that's easy to say, but then there's a, it's another thing to do it in practice, right? Because you still have these subconscious demons that you may be struggling with, you know. And I've taken in the last five six years, I've taken so much psychedelics. I've worked with coaches, and I've I've tried to do my best to overcome. Have I gotten better at overcoming these situations and these topics? Yes. Is the charge and the feeling of intensity as strong as it was once before no definitely not but there are those moments where it becomes very difficult to surrender and it becomes very difficult to say well i'm just going to trust that it's going to work out you know maybe in the grand scheme of things it does work out but in the moment it's like man i really i really want to succeed i want to win i want to you know i want to live a lifestyle where I'm not constantly looking at my bank account or I'm not constantly looking at, you know, my progress bar. Everyone has their own progress bar. Everyone has their own definition of success. I have my own definition of success. So, you know, for these people that are in this state of consciousness, I think the challenge is to to develop that trust in life, to develop that trust and that faith muscle that God is orchestrating things for their greatest and highest good. Now I can obviously I've I've come to a stage in my life where I have much more trust and faith in God than I once did before. But there was a time where I was so angry, I was so bitter, and I was I was constantly like cursing and denying that there's a God. Like how, how can there be a God if, if all these things are happening, right? But then there's also comes a time where we have these experiences where I've had these experiences where the experiences that I've had defies all logic. It just defies all thinking of what is possible for me, which has made me believe, okay, there has got to be something here that is watching over us, that's watching over me, that is orchestrating this whole situation, I may not get it, I may not understand it. And all I can do is accept it, right? I just accept what is in that sense. And I think that's also the process of just, like you said, surrendering to that power and doing the best that you can to stay positive and to have faith. Not just in yourself, but also in something more, more than you. And I think that is very important, especially when it comes to the purpose. You know, if if we're here on this planet, I've thought to myself many times, why am I alive? Why am I here? Why am I breathing? Why, like, what is the purpose of this? You know? And... I've come to the conclusion for myself that my purpose and the experiences that i've had was to tell my story and to provide testimony for god and that there is some sort of a higher and i can say this now at this stage of my life with a hundred percent conviction i definitely definitely for sure from my state of consciousness can say that there is a universal intelligence of some sort Do I think that there's a man with a a big fat beard waving fingers around and all this stuff? No. But I do think that there's some higher intelligence that I could never comprehend from my mind that is doing things in my life in such a way that is pure magic. And... All I can do is trust that my purpose and what I'm experiencing serves the purpose and serves the reason why I'm here. And in that, it creates a situation where I surrender and get over myself as Gabriel Sarah, the person, and I just allow the experiences to happen and do my part to resist it as little bit as possible and to learn from it and to just observe and witness it and then to share to share the experiences and to share the wisdom and to share what whatever this higher power god universal intelligence wants me to share with our audience and
0: another thing that i would add on is Whenever you go through challenging times, there is always gold on the other side of it. So always ask yourself what is the gold in the challenge that you're experiencing once you go
1: through it? The gold has to be to serve your purpose
0: it's alchemizing your challenges alchemizing your challenges to find your strength to find your power to find back to god within to the source within so many of us our souls chose the challenge our our souls chose sometimes the the hard lesson so that We can become rock solid and we can become the diamonds that we were meant to be. And diamonds, they, they are formed under pressure, right?
1: We are reading the Bible every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday after we finish the podcast and we read the Bible. It's in German. I'm learning German through the Bible by speaking it, interpreting it. But there's this one part that talks about the grüste, right? The big ones. The Grusa, yeah?
0: Oh, the Grusta.
1: The Grusta. Yeah. yeah. The big one. The, the, the biggest one. Right. And so the way that we have translated it is that there's this part where Jesus is talking to his disciples, or he's talking to a group of people. I think this is especially like really well articulated in, in the gospel according to Matthew, the the, the first gospel. And He's talking about service. He's talking about that he's a service to God. He's in service to God. He's not here to serve himself, but he's here as the big one in service to others, and service to God. And if we think about that concept, and if we think about positive mental attitude and our purpose, we can ask ourselves okay, well, what is the purpose of the challenge or the challenges that I have either A, experienced in the past or B, I am currently experiencing? And if we think about that, ask that question, like you do with your your daily ritual, you, you ask a question in meditation and then shortly after you receive an answer if we can ask that question why am i experiencing this what is the lesson behind this what is the treasure in this experience what is the treasure in this experience we often will find the gold as you had said and that gold could translate into a gift could translate into a healing could translate into us alchemizing a certain experience to our advantage, so that we may use that in service to others as the big ones.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of the lifepurpose.com podcast. If you found this episode valuable, share it with someone that you know needs to hear this. And until next time on the lifepurpose.com podcast.